Hello, my name is Matthew Turner, Founder and Managing Director of Regency Wealth Management. Today, we launch the first in our series on successful entrepreneurs. We welcome our special guest, Joshua Turner. Full disclosure, Joshua is my younger cousin and founder and CEO of Stand for Socks, a luxury sock brand which donates a pair of socks to homeless people each and every time a pair is sold. Josh, please give us a wave and say hi. Hello, and this is Socks the Dog, a proper mascot, of course. But no, great to be here. Good, good research on that. that was a good intro. Also joining us is uh, Nick Bronin. Nick, please say hi. Hi, everyone. My name is Nick Bronin, Senior Financial Advisor and Partner at Regency Wealth Management. Started my career in London, moved over to Regency Wealth Management in 2015, um, and I'm currently based in Dubai. Last but not least, Simon Britton, please give us a wave. Hi, everyone. My name is Simon Britton, uh, Senior Wealth Manager with Regency Wealth Management, for whom I've worked for since 2015, and I'm currently based in the UK. Thank you very much, everyone. So it's a pretty informal chat today. I've got a few questions here that we can unleash on Josh to see how he answers them. He's, he's been in business for quite a while now. But just to start off, Josh, could you tell us more about yourself as a person, your inspirations and your motivations? Sure. So I'm 31, um, live in Manchester currently, but moving to New York next week. So it's all a bit full on. Um, and yeah, grew up in Suffolk, um, went to kind of one of those schools where unless you're going to be a lawyer or a banker, you know, kind of creativity and that wasn't really kind of encouraged or supported. Uh, and I have dyslexia, so kind of struggle with uh, writing, spelling, um, kind of the traditional academic stuff that you're sort of graded on. But my dyslexia allows me to kind of thrive in creativity and kind of entrepreneurship, which is really good for. So it's one of those where I kind of yeah, struggled through school and then kind of flourished when I was able to get out of that system and kind of do what I'm kind of naturally good at. Um, yeah. And my sort of inspirations, I think, kind of having dyslexia, you know, Richard Branson, funny enough, was actually an inspiration from a young age, you know, very successful entrepreneur with dyslexia. Um, and kind of just being able to kind of do things, you know, the way I want to do them, you know, see a problem and solve it and have that freedom. It's not about money. It's not about, sorry, I'm dog barking. Uh, it's not about money. You know, it's not about, you know, things like that. It's more freedom of, of being able to create something new and bring it to kind of the world and have people buy it and use it. Um, I love to tell the girlfriend I'm a global fashion designer because I design socks all over the world, but uh, she, she disagrees with that. <laughs> how, how is the missus? Is she looking forward to New York? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very stressful at the moment, been literally packing up, uh, you know, the flats and all those big things that come with. But no, very exciting fly. She flies on Sunday, so yeah. And getting married this year, as, as you know. So yeah, a lot going on. It's all, all at once this year. Congratulations, congratulations. So on the to the second question, why did you start Stand for Socks and what influenced you to have an ethical component in the business model? Yeah, so in terms of Stand for Socks, funny enough, when I left, growing up, I was always doing business at school. So kind of club nights, you know, fake IDs. I, I left school voted the most likely to end up a millionaire or in prison. You know, neither's happened yet. But I was kind of that kid in school who was selling the candy, you know, selling the ID, selling, you know, clothing from China or headphones, whatever it was, kind of knowing what people wanted. And then I kind of successfully did a couple of club nights at school. 
um, kind of wholesale babysitting, I call it. We shut down Ipswich Town Centre, but kind of got, you know, uh, loads of kids, kids, they love being cool with kids, and 16, 17 year olds in a venue where they couldn't, too cool to go to cinema, weren't old enough to go out drinking 18 yet, uh, and get them into a venue and, and kind of use influencer marketing and social media at the time. And it's kind of really successful. So, kind of always did things to do with the age I was at, and then um, left university, joined an entrepreneur accelerator in London, uh, which kind of wanted me to pitch an idea. And my idea at the time I was working at Virgin was a sort of Tinder for corporate expenses. So an app where you could scan your receipts in and your manager could swipe through them really easily. I thought just big companies, it was all clunky and technology could make it better. It was kind of one of those billion dollar ideas that really kind of fed up and didn't really, we didn't really care about solving corporate finance, to be perfectly honest, and expenses. And over a beer amongst friends, I came up with the quote of, you know, imagine if socks could change the world. I always like fun, colorful socks and four or five beers later, that became a lot better idea. Um, but it was, yeah, everyone needs socks. If every pair could do a little bit of good, you know, was it a crazy idea? Um, and I needed to pitch something at the end of the year. So we pitched that. Um, and I'll say the rest is history. It was kind of a long journey, fell into benefit system and everything else to kind of get to where we are today. Um, it wasn't the greatest idea in the first early years. Um, and in terms of the ethical bit, it wasn't ever a kind of a conscious let's do ethical it was almost like a subconscious why wouldn't we you know why wouldn't we make a product that is made of the highest quality doesn't you know cause damage to the environment um you know in terms of the products and materials we use and in terms of the buy one give one you know social impact model of giving a pair or doing you know clearing landmines or whatever we were doing at the time it was why wouldn't we do that you know who's starting a business nowadays that's going to do bad for the world you know um being kind of i don't need the buzzwords of millennials but you know, it was kind of, I knew that was almost the way my generation was thinking. So kind of future consumers were as well. Uh, and come, people want to work for companies that do good and people want to buy from companies that do good. You know, it was, yeah, never a thought down business model. This is why we're going to do it. And it's a marketing campaign. It was just like, well, from day one, we're going to do this. And and, it, and it's worked, you know, it's not been easy, but yeah, it's definitely kind of been a massive part of our, our growth. And it's been really exciting to now see how it can evolve and change as we've got a lot bigger as well from where we set out originally. Congratulations. You, you, you can't ask, underestimate the fun and feel good factor in, in any business decision. Saying everyone needs socks and socks are typically dull and boring. So if we can make them a bit more exciting, although I know you're still meshing me all the time for black socks, which is the one thing I refuse to do as a black sock. Yes, we, we have had this argument before, but... I think I'm now a flip-flop man in the heat, so I am, I'm currently without socks, unless you can True. have a flip-flop model sock to go in crop, but, but we'll see. <laughs> can you tell us about your experience on Dragon Den and any secrets about the production? Now, just for those of you at home that aren't aware of what Dragon's Den is, it's the UK equivalent of Shark Tank, where budding entrepreneurs go to rich potential investors to pitch their idea to see if they can get seed capital or investment. And Josh, you were on the show, so congratulations. Yeah, yeah, we, were, we filmed it in sort of 2019, um, which was an interesting time for the business. <clears throat> we were kind of had some early success out of the kind of, you know, bootstrap, you know, just the concept. Um, but we were on the cusp of a couple of the big things that have kind of been a massive part of our growth for the last few years. Um, but it's one of these shows, you know, as I say, an entrepreneur growing up, you, you want well, entrepreneur, young people, business, anyone interested in business gets drawn to these sort of Dragon's Den, The Apprentice, these sort of shows. Um, and they are, you know, really interesting. 
you know, the only caveat I always do say with them, and as you grow up, I think you start to realize is they are entertainment. You know, they're not, they're not, they're not a real business. They are real. They're real business going on. They're a real investment, but they're, you know, making entertaining TV. So, you know, when we, we won some awards and then, you know, got the opportunity to go on there, I thought, you know, we'll definitely do it. We'd always kind of been of the mindset of bootstrapping the business. So, you know, growing it, you know, without investment and not just taking someone else's money to kind of spend it and don't really care, you know, if we make money or not or what really happens. Um, but it was an interesting thing. I think I went on it eyes wide open with like, you know, it's a good PR opportunity. It's good awareness for the brand and what we're doing. And if we get the right dragon and offer, you know, we'll take it. But um, yeah, it was really interesting. It was you know, filmed here in Manchester where we were anyway. And it's all kind of interesting. Lots of little details of all the process. I probably can't say too much, but you know, just certain things of like the lift and you need to press the button for the lift and, you know, this guy opens it and all sorts. It's just a lot of secrets to it. But yeah, filmed, I think, over two hours for what was for 10 minutes on TV. And it's on YouTube at the moment. Uh, if anyone wants to check it out. But it's, uh, yeah, interest, interesting experience. Um, I think the funniest thing that happened with our episode, Peter Jones got a nosebleed midway through. So it's all kind of quite intense and we're filming and there's cameras everywhere. And then suddenly Peter Jones just gets up and walks out and is like, like, you know, sorry, Josh. And then hair and makeup come on. And it's just, you know, we've done some TV ads and stuff over the years, but kind of seeing behind the scenes of TV is, is really interesting. Um, and they kind of, yeah, they keep you on edge a bit when you're filming it and you never know what's coming. You know, they want interesting reactions and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, really exciting experience. Recommend it to anyone. Definitely check it out. Um, and yeah, it's it good fun. Good fun. Glad we did it. And it's also, I think nowadays, you know, been a few years on since we did it it's one of those that people always go back to you know we get questions on it or when we're pitching for business at the moment you know people we say dragon's den they're going oh you on dragon's den or we did some podcasts over christmas last year and someone goes oh, i remember you on dragon's den back in 2019 was we just think oh did many people really see it and do many people still watch it but it's one of those um kind of standard things in the uk so yeah really recommend it I mean, what would you do differently with, with hindsight or where your business is currently? It, it was, you said it was, you know, a transitional period in the business. Now, would you be in a better place, do you feel, to get, get an offer or make a difference? Yeah, so some interesting things in the, the edit. We had some socks that you, basically, I went in with a strategy of, like, leaving breadcrumbs, I'd say. So I had things I wanted them to, like, ask me about. And sometimes I'd leave a breadcrumb intentionally and I'd get a question on that and I'd take them down a route. And oftentimes I'd say something, uh, there was something to do with an airline we were trying to do some socks for and they kind of disregarded it. Anyway, it was a whole part of our business model of B2B where we work with big companies that they just completely passed by really quickly. And off camera, you kind of see it on one of the clips, you see all these socks that I want them to be like, ask us questions about. And then we pull out all these like socks that we were working with, with Google and Facebook and all these companies. And it was very early part of that business model, which they kind of disregarded quite quickly. I think things I'm doing differently. I mean, there's the classic of, you know, I remember watching the episode being really worried. Like I knew what happened, you know, um, but I didn't know how it was going to be edited and you are in control of, you know, you go in there, the cameras are rolling the whole time. They're making insane TV. You've got no control over how it's edited. And I was dreading there, you know, watching, I watch it at the same time as the public do of like, are they going to make me like an idiot? Am I going to like, have I ruined my entrepreneur career here? Um, and, you know, overall the edit's really good because, you know, my whole story of being dyslexic and being on benefits and, you know, homelessness and how we saw, so support that, you know, we are a, a, you know, we are a good news story. We are a good business. Um, so they, they kind of showed that. And the only downside we had was 
the classic, you know, they always say, know your numbers. Um, my strength is from dyslexia is, is not knowing my numbers. Um, you know, it's one of my biggest weaknesses. My strength is in creativity and they aren't really measuring you on that. You know, I think from the two hours, about a solid half an hour at least was on the numbers where you've got five people coming at you with the numbers. You're not allowed any paper or notes. They're, they're scribbling away and you're almost trying to keep track of all the numbers you've said because you knew them all going in. Some things have changed. Some things changed last minute with our valuation and all these numbers aren't stacking up and like, I've not got paper to keep track of what I'm saying and calculators and there five people coming at me. So I think the only thing I would say is, well, I think with my dyslexia, I would have loved to have pushed harder to get some notes to have all those numbers in front of me. But I think, you know, knowing our VAT numbers better. Um, since then, you know, we've, we've switched accountants. We've do management accounts monthly. One of our probably biggest strengths for business today is actually our numbers and the visibility we have on it and the management accounts. But back in 2019, we were far more of a, creative business really good at marketing really good at product and the numbers were just kind of working you know we didn't employ many people it was a lot smaller business than we are today um but yeah hindsight would have done that a lot better and it's the classic everyone always says no your numbers but yeah my dyslexia definitely didn't really help with that at the time so here's a question that i've just thought of if i gave you a magic button and you could either have more creativity or less dyslexia where which would you push mm. Definitely more more creativity. Um, you know, it, it's the, the one of the questions we ask when we interview people now is, and it's pretty much the key question anyone interview is, you know, what are you great at? Um, and that's the only thing we care about is everyone is, you know, although as entrepreneurs and, and small businesses, you know, we do various stuff um, in terms of like, you know, you've got to do a bit of everything, wear many hats. You know, I know in the business today, coming up with designs and new product development is my strength writing you know uh copy or blogs or press releases is definitely not my strength other people in the business we have today are really good at that or are really analytical really good at numbers and can look at spreadsheets and data trends really quickly um so you know we try and put people in the best positions to maximize them and my position is creativity and vision um and i've got a really good mentor called mike who is really good at execution operations and detail and he loves it and i i hate it and so together we're kind of chalk and cheese and i'm kind of flourishing great new ideas all the time and he's bringing the structure and the sustainability i'll say the stability to kind of the, the both so yeah definitely more creativity dyslexia is without doubt one of my biggest strengths i always say it's the biggest ability not disability um just recently it was added to linkedin actually um as a as a skill set you know you can put dyslexic thinking as a skill set um, not as a, a disability. So it's a massive shift at the moment with these sort of mental disabilities that are traditionally considered. Um, yeah, disabilities are definitely abilities. So massively lean, lean into it. Nice. Well, congratulations for, you know, it's not, it's not what happens to you, it's how you deal with it that makes you a man, I guess. This is one of my favourite quotes, so it's quite relevant here. Now, yeah. we do have a special announcement upcoming. Obviously, Regency Wealth Management are going to release an NFT. We've coined the term investment NFT to celebrate 10 years, our 10-year anniversary. So 10 years to celebrate, we will release our INFT. And part of this series documenting successful entrepreneurs is each guest will hopefully be able to add some utility to the project. So Josh, is there anything you can offer uh, holders of the Regency INFT? Yeah, I think we're very happy to offer 20% discount across our website on all socks um, using the IN, I think it's INFT, is it? 
uh, code, but we'll, we'll check with that and put it in the, the notes or something. But but yeah, using that, you get 20% off uh, a website of all of our socks. Um, just I'll check our website out anyway for socks because we've got the most comfortable socks in the world, self-proclaimed. Uh, and every pair you buy, we do a pair to someone in need, uh, be that homeless uh, Ukrainian refugees. Um, and there's all sorts of socks from Liam Gallagher to Tiger King uh to cities to all sorts not got a chelsea sock yet matt but uh i've got quite a few football ones on there and all sorts nice well no thank you very much for that very generous offer um i'm now going to pass it over to nick and simon to give you a, a question if that's okay so nick what is your question for josh uh hi josh first of all congratulations on all the success and good luck with the move to new york cheers so my question to you is, what's the hardest decision that you've ever had to make during the Stanford Sox journey? Oh, very good question. Um, I think the hardest one for us is, I'm trying to think of a specific one, but it's the saying no to things. I think as a, as a, and we're still a very small business and growing quickly, the opportunities are always coming along and it's trying to say no to them. So we've had opportunities for, be it collaborations or be it new products um, that we just can't, can't, don't have capacity to take on. Um, you know, if you run the numbers, you know, it all makes sense. It's profitable. It's great. It's good brand awareness. It's whatever. But the team's capacity, we just don't have it. And if we say yes to something, we've got to say no to other things that we're already doing. And it's yeah, definitely the hardest thing. And, the, and also the biggest challenge kind of we still have today. Um, so I think that's, that's probably the hardest. Perfect. Thank you very much. Simon, your question. Yeah, well, first of all, I'd like to echo um, Nick and Matt's comments and add my congratulations and good luck for the move. Um, Thank you. On the basis that it is always better to learn from other people's mistakes than make them yourself, um, what advice would you give to a budding entrepreneur at the beginning of their journey of setting up a company? Um, another very good question. I, I give a couple parts to it. I think initially is is or well, two things initially at the start i think it's the classic they call it the, the mum test of you know don't ask your mum you know if your idea is good because she's going to tell you it's good and would she pay money for it so it's trying to launch quickly as as fast as you can and i i remember we didn't launch anything on social media anything anywhere until i had the socks in the warehouse the first one so we were basically quiet for like nine months because I thought everyone's going to copy my idea and everyone's going to want to care about it. So we basically launched to crickets back in what, 2015. Uh, and it took us one to two years to even learn, right, who actually is our customers and this assumption we had, does it actually work? And, you know, our messaging back then, we were doing a lot around United Nations global goals, all these different socks, all these different causes. It was all very complicated. Whereas if we'd actually been getting out there and doing pop-up markets or real things of, actually trying to trade or website with just images of what we were trying to sell and see if anyone actually wants to buy it uh, would have learned so much quicker it took us a good two years until yeah we the penny started to drop about what actually our business model was and what people wanted so I think just yeah don't be so precious of your idea no one wants to steal it bluntly speaking no no one really cares if, and if they do care they're going to copy it or do stuff anyway so just get out there and do it and yeah I think the second part of that which leads nicely into it is, is just do it I think you know, the back, I was in a corporate job and 
that world and kind of on that career path and it's not been easy the last two or three years definitely you know falling into the benefit system moving back home as a 23 24 year old you know you're on you're single you know you're on you've not got a lot going for you you know but you know I was, I was loving every kind of second of the journey and what we were doing and you know now you know I'm 31 it's been an interesting sort of six seven years but I'm so glad I've been on that kind of journey and just done it and taken taken the leap as it were, even though I leaped and fell <laughs> quite quickly and, and slapped, slapped myself on the pavement as it were. Um, but, you know, family and, and support has always helped. And yeah, I've managed to kind of go on that journey and, and kind of get to where we are now. And hopefully the next five, 10 years are really, really exciting for the business and what we're doing. So yeah, just take the leap and, and just do it. I think is my main advice. Um, and it's not going to work straight away, but um, it will. If you keep at it, it will eventually, whatever you're doing. Great, thank you very much, very good advice. One more question, Josh. Why are your socks so good? Very good question. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> part, of, part of that reason is, is that amount of years that, you know, we've spent on the socks. Um, our first socks, I'll tell you now, were not very good. I thought they were great. I thought our logo was great. And then, um, you know, we launched it quite quickly. Um, and I thought, the, yeah, I thought the product was great. It just basically wasn't. The, our socks are great now because we built we spend loads of time on the attention to detail with our supply chain, with our suppliers, with the yarns we're using, the machines we're using. Honestly, I can think back to the first times I went to load of these sock factories and was like, basically had pictures of graffiti on walls and socks. And I was like, right, why are socks spots and stripes and plain and, and black socks? You know, why can't they be fun and colorful and graffiti and these complicated patterns? And luckily, I mean, some did laugh at me, but quite a lot of them actually gave me time to explain how sock technicians work in the machines and the yarns. And every, not even every year, I think every three or four months, we've made little improvements to the socks. We've learned about it and, you know, not a boast about it, but I think for a 31 year old, I probably know far more about socks than, than most people do. Um, but it allows us to see opportunities with when it's B2B or a new materials coming about like bamboo or merino wool and how we can utilize that into from a you know a hiking sock into an athletic sock um, and you know how we can put a face of like Liam Gallagher into a sock um, and the kind of quality and the customer service the attention to detail so really long-winded answer but I think it's just that constant iteration from knowing nothing and trying to challenge the norms of socks to kind of actually becoming a bit of experts in it and our reviews speak for themselves we're very highly rated on Trustpilot and um, we take we take the product very seriously because you know repeat purchases and, and customer loyalty is obviously massively important. Um, everyone buys socks and everyone needs socks, and we want everyone to buy every pair of socks from us because it means we can do a lot more good. And is there a, what is the future of socks? Is there any new groundbreaking that will change the game, or are we pretty set? Oh, no, it's always changing. I think the, the biggest thing, socks have been around since the Egyptian times. Um, so, you know, even the last five, six years, you know, we're, we're just changing it up. I think socks have gone from, you know, like in the city and growing up, you know, our, our dads would always wear ties, you know, and suits. I think the ties kind of died a death, as it were, uh, in most sort of situations. And socks has kind of been that product that's been around for years and has slowly become, you know, a fashion statement, a way to stand out and, and show what you, you stand for in our case. Um, but you know what people want to wear to the gym and you know like you spend a lot on trainers and you care about what you wear for work because it's comfort you now care a lot more for your socks it's not just that dull after thought of going on oh, it's an undergarment I need to put it on and 
you know, I'll go to the gym and I'll spend loads on my trainers or I'll go to the office, I'll spend loads of my shoes and tie, you know. Um, so yeah, we've, we've kind of looking at it that way. I think socks just become an item that people are really invested in and the innovation is happening in the machines and the materials and oh, it's a really exciting space to be in. I'm, I'm a bit of a sock geek, as you can probably tell, but I think, yeah, a lot's going on the next few years, really. Well, thank you very, very much. It's a, it's a great honour to have you, my cousin, as our first guest and a successful entrepreneur all in one. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Please like and subscribe. We will catch you on the next one. Thanks for having me.